teaching ministry of Pastor Jay Everly. Get ready to be empowered through the understanding of God's Word. What was happening? That's an operation of the Spirit that's reserved only to operate in somebody's presence. And uh, in the New Testament, Jesus would see the multitude. Well, we read it right here in Matthew 9. He saw the multitude. He was moved with compassion. And then he responded to that by having the disciples pray. Uh, in, the, in the 14th chapter of Matthew, he saw the multitude. He was moved with compassion and he multiplied the bread. There's something about certain operations of the Spirit. As soon as you see somebody, the Spirit of God in the ministry in the minister starts moving because of what the minister can see, not in the natural, but what he can see in the spirit. Amen. This is the truth. But if we're never in a place where somebody can see our face, then that will never operate and we will be missing some of the things God has for us. Now, it's not the pastoral office per se that helps you resist the devil. It's what that pastor or minister will see and therefore go a different direction in order to meet the need that he sees is there. You know, that is going to equip you to resist the devil. That will perfect your faith in a way that the television minister can't perfect your faith. It's a huge issue. In the body of Christ. A lot of folks. I'll, I'll be frank about it. Christian TV probably has done a lot of good as far as reaching uh, the unsaved and so forth. But in, 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 you know, I'm, not, I'm, I'm going on TV so don't think I'm criticizing it. But there's a side to it that has done a lot of damage to the body of Christ. Because people think, well, I don't need a church. I can just watch Christian TV. They're missing. Number one, the Bible says don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Isn't that right? So there's, there's certain things that function only in a setting where there's a local church. Okay, go back to the book of uh, Mark again. We, we, you know, finally we're getting there. We were there, but look with me here in the sixth chapter. In verse, remember this is the feeding of the 5,000. Mark 6, you remember Jesus saw, verse number 34, much people who was moved with compassion toward them. They were sheep not having a shepherd again. And um, notice you keep on reading. That Jesus said in verse number 37, give ye them to eat. He's telling the disciples, get them something to eat. And they said, uh, well, uh, shall we go and buy 200 penny worth of bread and give them to eat? He said unto them, how many loaves have you? Go and see. And they knew, when they knew, they said five loaves and two fishes. He commanded them to make all sit down by companies upon the green grass. Notice that. That's, um, oh, that's, let me keep on reading here. I'll get back to that. Verse 40. They, they sat down in ranks by hundreds and fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven. He blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, set before them and the two fishes, and divided he them among them. And they all did eat and were filled. Remember, they took up 12 baskets full. Well, this is Jesus breaking natural bread to feed them physically. Look at, look at how Jesus, actually Jesus told them to do this. He said to them, um, he commanded them to all sit down by companies. Companies. In other words, here's Jesus wanting to break physical bread and divide it up to the people. And he, he, he did it in an orderly way. See, a lot of Christians don't like things orderly. They just think everything ought to be, well, I'll float here and float there. Jesus said, find a company and get, sit down. Find a company and sit down. 
Now this is Jesus breaking bread for physical needs to be met. He does it the same way when it comes to breaking bread for spiritual needs to be met. Go back to the fourth chapter of Acts. I know we've heard some of these things, but I'm finally getting to where I'm trying to go tonight. Look at the fourth chapter. You're familiar with this. In verse number 23, being let go. They had just been commanded and they'd been beaten and told not to preach in Jesus' name. Being let go, they went to their own company. Peter and John got in trouble. You know, they needed somebody else to get around them and, and encourage them and build, you know, pray for them and things. And thank God they weren't some like, like some of these church people that run around everywhere. They had a place called their own company. Do you know God has an, your own company for you? Well, that's right, Pastor. I picked one out of the, the phone book. No. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. I know we're moving faster now. Keep your fingers rolling. We're going back to Mark in a few minutes. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Look with me in verse number 18. You remember this whole chapter is talking about things concerning the Spirit. Verse 1 says concerning, you know, it says spiritual gifts. The word gifts is italicized. It means spirituals, things pertaining to the Holy Spirit. He said, I don't want you to be ignorant. Here's one of them. Gifts of the Spirit are there, but here's another thing he doesn't want us to be ignorant of. Verse 18. Now God has set the members, everyone in the body as it has pleased Him. So we don't pick a church like we pick a dry cleaners. No offense, Brother Ike, but we, we don't pick a church like you pick out a lawyer or something. You just go through the phone book, let your fingers do the walk. You don't do it that way. You don't pick a church because it's the closest to your house, because it's where your family always went. You pick a church by saying, Jesus, I'm yours. Where do you tell me to go? He has a place called your own company. Now, when he sends you and tells you where yours is, that doesn't mean that everybody else is wrong. It's just that, that that's their company, if, if that's where God's told them to go. But that, if, if that's theirs, good, that's where Jesus told them to go. But that doesn't mean that's your company. Now, nor does that mean they're not a part of the body of Christ. It just simply means this is where Jesus told me to go. Amen. So as it has pleased him, not as it pleases you, not as it pleases your wife, not as it pleases your husband, as it pleased the Lord. He's going to take you to a place where everything in your life, there's going to be, there's going to be your own company. That your own company, there's going to be a supply there that everything you need is going to be there. The Bible calls us the body of Christ. Using the natural physical body to illustrate how the body of Christ is set up. Now, my arm, for example, is a part of my physical body. What if in the middle of the night, it decided that it didn't like to be get everything I do, it, all the directions, all the nerves, all the blood, all the, everything I get comes through the shoulder. I am so tired of getting connected to the shoulder. The shoulder, every day, it's shoulder in the morning, tells me what to do. Shoulder, shoulder, sh I'm so tired of shoulder. So it jumps off in the middle of the night. It comes up, my right Left, left shoulder, left arm, jumps off and comes and says, I want to be, I want to have better fellowship with the ear. And it, I wake up in the morning and I got an arm out my right ear. Do you know the rest of my body is not going to reroute all the nerves, all the blood vessels to my ear and say, okay, you can get what you need over there. It's going to still keep going. I'll probably bleed to death trying to feed that arm and it's... Right? 
That's the way it is in the body of Christ. Your supply doesn't go where you go. It goes where God told you to be. And that includes healing. You, you, I don't think God's going to send you, if you need healing, He's not going to send you to a place that doesn't believe in it. Amen. Now, sometimes people have this idea, well, well, you know, the church will be all right without me. Not if Jesus sent you there. Think about my arm. If my arm decides I don't want to be connected into the shoulder anymore and decides it wants to go somewhere else or doesn't want to be a part of my body. Let's in this illustration use my whole physical body as a local church now. Because the, the body of Christ at large is the whole body of Christ. But let's for this illustration say my body is the local church. Well, if a member decides, that, if a member decides to cut itself off from that and break fellowship, uh, let's take my arm or my hand. Let's just take my hand. Let's say it doesn't want to be there anymore and it cuts itself off. Do you realize that does affect the whole body? My, I'm handicapped. Right? But the rest of my body will survive. However, the part that got cut off will not. To the rest of the body, it's a handicap. To the part that separated itself, it's death. It cannot exist. Isn't that right? We've got to recognize the importance of these things. And really what I'm preaching to you tonight is the same thing we started with, not discerning the Lord's body. You have to discern the body of Christ. Where is my company? Where is my pastor? Where am I getting fed? Well, every time I go there, I don't get fed. But every time I go to this place, I get fed. Duh. Yeah, but that's not what I plan to do. And my spouse doesn't. Did it say your spouse is the head of the church? Am I preaching all right tonight? Keep the car ready. I'm leaving right after this. God calls companies. Everybody say, we have our own company. Now, it's not, only, it's not only important to know where our company is, it's important for us to assemble with that company. Jump in, the, once we find out where it is, and it, it might be here, it might be someplace else. But once we find where it is, don't just say, okay, that's my church. Down there, those people are where I go to church. You know, do you know, do you know? Well, I haven't told you yet, so you don't know, but... Do you know I get out in town sometimes and I'll be in restaurants. This has happened several times. And I'll be, we'll, we'll, be, we'll be waiting maybe in, I'm thinking of one time recently, we were waiting in the uh, foyer because we had, you know, people, uh, there weren't enough tables, so we were waiting for our next table. And um, I kept seeing a lady go back and forth that, that we've seen many times here at church, but I hadn't seen her for a year or more, you know. But I was just glad to see her, you know, wanted to see if I could say hi to her. But anyway, over... Uh, Eventually, come find out she's our waitress. When we sat down, she's our waitress. She, and she came up to said, oh, Pastor, so good to see you. I haven't been there for a long time, but you're my church. <laughs> yeah, I mean, your, your, your church is my church. Yeah, really? You know, I get that quite often. Right? And I'm thinking, yeah, I'm smiling. <laughs> I said, well, great. Good to see you. It, you know, I'm not here to, it's not my responsibility right. to. That's right. You know, they already know anyway. Yes. So you don't, you, but the point is, you just, you just smile and, and be sweet to them and love on them. But the point is, you know, uh, yeah, well, we haven't seen you for a year. Yeah, there's a lot of people that call Spirit of Faith home. You haven't seen them for a long time. 
well, we're not mad at them, but you know, that just doesn't, that's not enough. It's not, Jesus isn't going to say, now you're getting everything because you made that your church and stay home and sleep in. You know. Is it all right if we shuck the corn? It's all in love, you know. I'm trying to help. So it's enough to not just be, say, that's my home church. It's enough to go there. And there's, there's two things. Man, man joins himself, but the spirit assembles. Assembly is something the spirit does. Joining is something a man does. Putting your name on the roll is, we call it joining the church. Uh, you remember over there in Acts, the Bible says there were mighty miracles. And after that, people were afraid to join themselves to them. What had been happening, if you read the previous few verses, people were gathering around them that weren't really saved, weren't really connected up. But after Ananias and Sapphira fell dead, they went, uh-oh, okay. Oh, no, no more of that joining stuff. You think I'm making it up, you go read it. But if you read previously, remember in the day of Pentecost, the, the Holy Ghost fell where they were assembled together. Assembly is different than joining. Assembly is something the Holy Ghost does. He puts the church in your heart. The church put, uh, God puts the, you in the church's heart. And there's other people and there's a supply. Remember, like for, take for example, if I have a puzzle and uh, you, know, you, you open up the box and you just pour, you dump it on the table. That's a puzzle, but it's not assembled. And so uh, God doesn't want us to just be in the same place. Well, we're there. But I sure don't like the praise and worship. I don't like what they, who they put in charge over that. I think I ought to give the announcements. He preaches too long. It's too loud. Well, you might have joined, but you're not assembled. Amen. Remember, he said he gives sheep a shepherd and that keeps them from scattering. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, this is true for me, too. I can't be with my pastor every, every service out there in California, but I receive from her, her ministry. In fact, recently I was feeding on some other ministries. The Lord said, here's your pastor. That's secondary. Here's your pastor. And you know, as soon as I started getting back to my pastor, all of a sudden, yeah, okay, I get, I'm getting some help here, getting some answers there. It's a totally different level than, than just deciding who I want to read, read their book or so forth. Amen. And so we're all, this is true about all of us. Now, 1 Samuel chapter 10, go over there real quickly. I've taken, I've taken a long time on this already. Um, here's another thing that will happen in your own home church, which doesn't happen just sitting at home. 1 Samuel 10, notice with me, this is the story of Saul. Remember God had called, he meant Samuel you know, spoke to him by the Spirit, about him being king, and the anointing was on him to be king. Now Saul is, uh, he's very, he's a very, uh, if you remember, he's a very shy man. Remember whenever God anointed him, um, they were going to make it public and they couldn't find him, remember? They had to ask, where is he? And found out he's hiding back there in the, in the well, I don't know, where, warehouse we'd call it today, you know. He's, he's just, he's a shy man. He's, you know, he's probably... Uh, He's probably pretty humble in this place in his life, but he's also shy. And if you're going to be king, it's probably not going to work to be shy. 
You're going to have to probably take some leadership. You're going to probably. So here's a man called, but he's not equipped. You understand what I'm talking about? God has a plan for his life, but he just isn't equipped for that plan. And so God says, okay, here's what you need to do. He told Samuel to tell him, he said, there's going to be, uh, once you go to a certain place, and when you go there, you're going to find a company of, this is in verse number five here, 1 Samuel 10, in verse number five. Let's start in verse five. After thou shalt come to the hill of God, where is the garrison of the Philistines, it shall come to pass, thou art come thither, when thou art come thither to the city, that thou shalt meet a company of prophets coming down from the high place. Notice that word company. See, that, that is what the Lord zeroed me in on a number of years ago and started showing me that there's this truth in the Bible called company. Yes. See, a lot of times people in the body of Christ think that, that God's all about lone rangers. He's not. He's not about lone rangers or tontos. You know, a lot of lone rangers, they gather up tontos. Pastor, I sure am laughing a lot tonight. Well, I'll tell you what, Mary Hart does good like a medicine, so that's good in healing school. God, yes, God calls individuals. God anoints individuals, yes. Do you know that? But do you realize those individuals are, you know, like Peter and John, we already read about it. They had a local company that they still had to go to for some supply. They got to the end of their faith. They, they'd been beaten, they're, they're ready, you know. He, they went home and they said, can, the church, can we call a church meeting together here? We need to, we need to pray. And in that prayer meeting, they got refreshed and they got the anointing fell. You remember that? All the, the, the place was shaken. How many of you know after a meeting like that, you're ready to go preach again? So here's this term company again. And Saul was called, but he didn't have all the equipment that he needed. So he said, go join yourself to this company. And this, this group of people, they'll be uh, singing with psaltery and tabret and pipe and harp before them. And they shall prophesy. And the spirit of the Lord will come on thee. And thou shalt prophesy with them and shall be turned into another man. Oh, glory to God. And if you read it, that's exactly what happened. In other words, God's saying, I need to make some impartations into him in order to, in order, so he could be equipped for what I need for him to do. So this is how I'm going to get impartations into him. I'm just going to put him right in the middle of a bunch of wild and crazy Holy Ghost folks. They're walking down the street prophesying, singing. Amen. Everybody needs a company of people that has something on the company that God wants to put into their lives. You've got you, you to realize whoever you join up to, whatever's on them is going to come on you. Good or bad. You better want what they have. If every time they get attacked, oh, oh, they have no spirit of faith, well, guess what you're going to get eventually? Well, amen. It does, it is important where you go to church. So God, in order to get him to fulfill what God had called him to do, he had to get in the group, a group of people that God told him to connect up with. And when he got there, the equipment came from that company that he was supposed to be joined up to. Amen. So really, if you think about it, and I love this, whenever it came to me this way, through, another minister was ministering on it, and I heard it, they said it this way. They said, really, the, the new birth and the baptism of the Holy Ghost, they're only introductory offers in the Holy Ghost. 
There's a whole lot of other things God's wanting to impart into your life. But the introductory offers are, can happen just about anywhere, but a lot of things, the rest of it is going to happen through the connections God gives you in the body of Christ. You know, a lot of things God brings into our lives, it comes through other people that God brought us into connection with. I've, I've gotten, I've learned this about prosperity, for example. It's almost, a, I mean, uh, connections, the right connections are almost a bigger issue than prosperity. Because you make the right connection, you will prosper. And that's true about the pastor you're sitting under. The Bible said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Isn't that right? There's, there is, of course, he's the chief shepherd, and then there are under shepherds. And if you find your pastor, you won't want either. That's the truth about it. There, there are other scriptures that talk about that. So one of those spiritual blessings God's given you is the office of the pastor. Somebody that God has called to be your pastor that'll speak into your life. Amen. Now, go over with me to Mark chapter number six. I've been trying to get to this Mark passage, or actually five, six, seven, and eight since the beginning here. Aren't you glad I finally got there? What do you, uh, what about healing, pastor? Well, let's look in the fifth chapter of Mark's gospel. Notice in the, remember the woman with the issue of blood was healed. We read that verse 25 through verse 34. But that was, that happened in the middle of Jesus going to Jairus' house. Jesus had been on the way to Jairus' house and he got interrupted by that lady, the woman with the issue of blood. Well, we call her the woman with the issue of blood. How many of you know after verse number 29 there, is it? She ain't got no issue of blood no more. <laughs> um, Verse 35 says, while he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said that thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? This is Jairus now. His daughter is still, uh, Jesus was still on his way there, but he got interrupted. So they came and they said, too late, she already died. Jesus whirled around. He said, as soon as he heard him say that, fear not, only believe. So Jesus stopped him before he started going down the road of unbelief. He suffered, verse 37, he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. He came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and seeth the tumult and them that wept and wailed greatly. Back then they had hired mourners. They would, they would hire people to come in and mourn. So these people were doing that. Verse 39, when he was come in, he, set, he, he saith unto them, why make ye this ado and weep? In other words, they making a big, uh, you know, the word ado means drama. Why are you putting on all this drama? He said, the reason is the damsel's not dead, she's sleeping. Well, you know, they probably had, had somebody there that took the vital signs and probably thought Jesus was, because look at the, what they did, verse 40, they laughed him to scorn. In other words, they thought what he was saying was, you know, just an irresponsible man talking here. They laughed him to scorn, but look what he did. Verse 40, he put them all out. He taketh with him the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him and entered in where the damsel was lying. And uh, them that were with him, if you read, is Peter, James, and John. Look at verse 37. He suffered no man to follow him save Peter, James, and John. So those three with the mother and father were the only five besides Jesus that Jesus allowed to go in. Notice the, the situation kept digressing 
to the point that more and more people were getting in unbelief. First of all, the bad report. Well, a whole lot of people got off the, wa- the bandwagon right there. Uh-oh, too late. Un- they, they just did. So Jesus said, no, don't y'all come with me. He had Peter, James, and John. Those are the people he had with him in some of the most important times in his life. If you read when he was on the Mount of Transfiguration, you know, when he prayed in the garden, he took them to be closest to him. So these are, this is his core faith team right here. If, 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 it's, if it's, you know, if you don't want any, anything but what God wants, bring Peter, James, and John along. So uh, they were there and then Jesus put out the people at the, at the house who were making all the, the noise. And, and Jesus moved in with just those five people and he took the hand of the damsel and said, Talitha Kumi, which has been interpreted damsel, I say unto thee, arise, and straightway the damsel rose and walked. Jesus said, give her something to eat. So she had been dead, but she was raised from the dead. Now, look what Jesus had to do in order to get to the place where that could happen. He had to separate himself from people that were in unbelief. Well, can that be true about the church you're in? See, I can feel some of that. that Some of you went right through you like a knife. Ooh. Yes, it can be true. There can be places that you go there and you'll stay sick. Why? Not because the people, I'm not, you know, you got to understand, I'm not talking about people per se. It's the things that are in them. It's the unbelief that's in them. It's, it's how they're going to, well, you know, maybe the Lord's trying to teach you something. You understand what I'm talking about? Okay. Well, somebody said, yeah, but that's an isolated case. Oh, really? Go to the sixth chapter. Look in Jesus' own hometown there in verse number four. They, they didn't honor him. You remember they said, this is the carpenter. We know him. You know, who is he to claim to be anointed? Verse five, a prophet's not without honor in his own hometown. Uh, you know, or he's not, he doesn't have honor in his own hometown. Then verse five, he could there do no mighty work. Circle the word there. He didn't say he could no longer anywhere at any time do any mighty works. It was there. There was the reason he couldn't do it. Why? Because... He laid his hands on a few sick folk and healed them. Verse 6 is the reason. He marveled because of their unbelief. He went around about the villages teaching. Ooh, it was there. It was the unbelief that was there. Now, in this, this is Jesus' hometown. In this town, notice there was a few people. No, I think it's the Weymouth translation says rather than there in verse 5. Uh, laid his hands on a few sick folk and healed them. I think it's the Weymouth says those few with minor ailments. In other words, minor things were being healed. But there wasn't enough power flowing because of the unbelief to really be able to do much more than that. We all understand what he's talking about. Now, think about it. Let's say, let's say there's somebody there that uh, is needing more than that. Do you realize because they were there, they couldn't get any more than that? Now, a lot of Christians don't realize that Jesus himself was limited by the unbelief of the people. Jesus couldn't just do anything he wanted anytime for anybody. No more than today, a minister can just do anything that he wants. It's all going to be by receiving by faith. Now, listen to this. Because the people that were living, if that same person would have lived over at Capernaum, they could have got more. Or if they wouldn't have been in that town. 
Now, there were people there then, when Jesus left, there were people there that would have, should have, and could have gotten healed if they hadn't have been in that atmosphere of unbelief. Yes. Amen. Now, there's a lot of Christians don't like this, but this is just the, I mean, I could tell you story after story in healing school where people went home after they were healed in healing school and got back into a circle of unbelief where people were like, well, you know, you never know. It might not last. Da, 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 and just got them back into unbelief. Before you know it, they're in the same condition. Why do we know? Because we used to call them between three weeks and, and a couple of months after they left. We just wanted to encourage them. And over 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 again, they went back to the wrong place. You know, it's important where you go after you're healed. It's important where you go. Now, well, that's two, Pastor. I'll give you two. Oh, good. Well, let's go to chapter seven then. Look in chapter number seven. Look in verse number, uh, verse number 31. Again, departing from the coast of Tyre and Sidon, he came unto the Sea of Galilee through the midst of the coast of Decapolis. They bring unto him one that was deaf, had an impediment in his speech, and they beseech him to put his hands upon him. And he took him aside out of the multitude. And put his finger into, the ear, into his ears and spit and touched his tongue. And he looked up to heaven and said, sighed and said, notice he sighed. I believe that's because of the unbelief. He sighed and said unto him, Apathitha, that is, be opened. Straightway his ears were open. String of his tongue was loose. He spake plain. Amen. Hallelujah. Now notice what Jesus said. I think this is important here. Verse 36. He charged them that they should tell no man. Why didn't he want that man to tell it? Because if he, he'd see, he had to get him out of the crowd to get him healed because of the unbelief in the crowd. And he didn't want him going back to that crowd and telling them because they'd talk him out of it. Well, there it is, Pastor. There's three. Yep, Bible says the mouth of two or three witnesses. Let every word be established. But I'll give you one more. Chapter number eight. You still there? You're going home. Now, verse number 22, he came to Bethsaida and they bring a blind man unto him and they besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him all the way out of the town. And when he had spit in his eyes, he put his hands upon him and he asked him, and, uh, asked him if he saw aught. And he looked up and he said, I see men as trees walking. After that, he put his hand on him again and made him look up and he was restored and saw every man clearly. Now notice what Jesus said, verse 26. He sent him away to his house saying, neither go into the town nor tell anybody in the town. Does it matter where you go to church? See, what that is, why not go back there? Because he didn't want them to be back in fellowship with all that unbelief. I can tell, I, I see, you can't always tell everything that you experience as a pastor because you don't want to embarrass people. And we do want them to be restored, you understand. We don't want them to feel like they can't be restored. But person after person. Now, I'm not saying that we're the only place here because that, be, that would be wrong of, of a pastor to say, we're the only place. That's a lie. That's a lie. But if God, I'm talking about people that God sent here. You know, if God sent you here, then that's a different issue. That God sent here and they got disconnected. It doesn't go well whenever they get disconnected. All the stories, the things that happen, I can't always tell it, you understand. But it's important that we understand this is a huge issue. See, you need to guard those divine connections God gives you. Guard them over friendships. Well, so-and-so got offended, but they're my friends, so I'm... No, no, where's, where's your supply? 
I'm shocked at, at the healings that people receive and then they get offended and get separated from where it came from. It's just to me, you know, you have to, you have to wonder what kind of thinking will produce some kind of actions like that. It's just, it's just deception. Now, the, it's the strategy of the enemy to get people disconnected through offense, unforgiveness, discouragement, things like that, from the place God told them to be. Because that will actually cause them to lose out on many of the things God wants to bring into their life. Can you say amen? So this is an issue for this cause, you could say. Not discerning the Lord's body. Discern where it is God connected you. And then once you know that, don't let the devil, don't let anybody, don't let hell or high water, don't let anything keep you from being there whenever, whenever God's connected you there. Amen. 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 Did we get anything out of the word tonight? This is a really big issue. Um, I've read statistics that how many people, uh, I guess I don't remember how it was all broken down. I think it was every, every I think it was every month, if I remember right. 52,000, I almost hate to give statistics that I forget, the, I want to be accurate, but I think it was 52,000 people in America every month leave a church offended. Wow. Statistics say that. Well, then this is not just a small issue, is it? You know what? A lot of times it's a pride issue. It's a pride issue. I, I, I made this mistake one time. And uh, it didn't go well. You know what I had to do? I had to go back to the pastor God had sent me to originally. And, I, and actually, in this case, because of my relationship with him, it was a big church and, you know, everybody couldn't do this. But they knew us. They had been a blessing to us. They spoke into our lives individually, you know. They even, uh, in one situation, helped us through a situation. And so, you know, just to up and leave, <laughs> that wasn't okay for us to just say, oops, and just go back. And just act like nothing happened. No, I needed to go back and repent. Amen. Amen. You realize that's honorable? Yes, sir. So we called him on the phone and said, would it be all right if we met with you? We need to repent. Yeah. Amen. We, and we got together. You know, they received us with open arms. But um, it wasn't okay to just, just say, well, it was no big issue. No, it was a big issue. It was where God had told us to be. Amen. That's called discerning the body of Christ. Recognizing, if, you know, discerning who your pastor is is discerning the body of Christ. Because that, that's, that's a part of the body of Christ. And it's a part that God connected you to. Amen. Well, the word's good. Isn't it good? This keeps us safe. Sometimes, sometimes uh, I guess people hear these kinds of things wrong. They hear it with, they hear it with uh, wrong ears. But that doesn't mean it was shared out of a wrong heart. It was shared just, you got to pray and ask God. Where, where's God told you to be? Amen. He's told you to be somewhere else. Don't you come over here to make me your pastor for anything. Amen. You know what we do when people come? We, 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 we have a membership class. And, you know, it's not about becoming a member. It's not what you do on a piece of paper. It's what happens in your heart, you know. But, um, but uh, we have a class and we ask, uh, where's your, tell us about your previous pastor. And why did you go, why did you come from there to here? Because we want to call the pastor if they're coming wrong. We say, hey, there's somebody here who wants to join the church, but, you know, it looks like they didn't, they didn't uh, properly leave your church. You know, if I sow that into another man's life, in other words, I just gather people up no matter how they left that pastor. You know, that's going to come back to me. So I'm not interested in that. Besides that, if it did it to that pastor, they're going to do it to me. And I don't want that here either. Amen. 
I, I, I know of pastors that would just receive anybody and, and it turns around and it bites them. In fact, I told one of them, I said, uh, this one individual, I said, I got to warn you about this individual. They, for the last three people, last three people they've had as their pastor. See, he didn't come talk to me, so I went and talked to him. I said, just out of love for you, you know, uh, this, the, for the last three people that's been their pastor, they left offended and they left talking and they criticize and they're mad. I said, just, just know you're next. <laughs> just out of love for him, you know. I don't want him putting that person in a person of leadership and, you know, and then hurting his church. I think that's honorable for pastors to talk like that. Praise the Lord. If you would like more information about Pastor Jay Everly's ministry, please visit us on the web at soffc.org or call us at 319-366-2147 or you can write to us at Spirit of Faith Family Church, Post Office Box 8355, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, 52408. And remember, God loves you and you're equipped to live victoriously in every area of life.